Welcome back to the In-Laws podcast. I'm Sophia. And I'm Brianne. We're two law students who created this podcast to talk about law school, law talk, and everything in between. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the In-Laws pod and our law school pages at Law and at Brianne Law. For this week's episode, we're going to be answering questions that we got through Instagram in the past week. So would you like to start with the first question? Sure. Okay, so the first question I got was, if you could redo your law school process, would you change schools? No. I wouldn't either. (laughs) I think it's become very obvious that I'm, like, obsessed with UNC. Um, I should probably go into more detail than just that I'm obsessed (laughs) with it. I knew I wanted to go to UNC before I even applied to law schools. I moved to North Carolina to establish residency before the applications opened um, because I knew I wanted to go to UNC. Um, You were committed. Yeah. I mean, it's a T30 law school. It's at the time I started $23,000 a year. Now it's $24,000 a year. It had the pro bono program I was really interested in. It had clinics and journals that I was really interested in. There was just really no other option for me. Yeah, I checked all your boxes. All of them. Um, Me personally, I honestly didn't super know what I would end up wanting slash needing. I thought I had an idea, so I applied to like a decent array of schools. Um, But in general, I'm very happy with my decision because I think it's going to be the best for me in the long run um, of what I see myself doing. And as far as location wise even because it was really important to me towards the end of my decision to be closer to my family than I was in undergrad um and so I'm happy with my decision there aren't many schools that have like put me closer to my family so this was a very good option for me like content wise of the school opportunities especially with pro bono and then um scholarship wise was a large motivator for me so yeah uh the next question I got very basic question, but apparently I don't think either of us have been explicit about this. Um, how old are you, Soph? <laughs> I am 24. And I'm 25. Okay, my next question is favorite class you've taken? Hmm. Doctrinally, I think criminal procedure is my favorite class. Um, as far as seminars, my poverty and public policy in North Carolina class has, it was incredible. It was better than any other class by far. Um, for a doctrinal class, I would probably say property. I love property. I love the way that my professor taught property. Um, it was super interesting to me and also just something that I really care about. And I care about like the right to housing, um, And now, especially working in housing and working in eviction defense this semester, it's just kind of like solidified that interest for me. And then as far as like upper level class, honestly, right now, I would say corporate tax. I think it's a lot more interesting than federal income tax was. So I'd say corporate tax, even though we're not done with it yet, but it's been very interesting. Yeah, I think the classes that you end up liking or like equal parts, are you interested in the material and do you have a good professor for it? And I think that's kind of just the same for me, like criminal procedure. I'm obviously very interested in criminal procedure, Um, you know, noted by the fact that 
today someone was getting arrested outside of my gym and I spent an hour on the tread- treadmill watching it just to make sure nothing happened. <laughs> um, ready to like run out there and be like, I'm a witness. Uh, <laughs> and then my professor, I really liked my professor for it. He was great. So someone said, this is not as much about us, but an advice question. Someone said, I'm a 1L and have a medium firm internship this summer. I'm really excited, but I'm nervous about not knowing what I'm doing. I've repeatedly heard from the hiring lawyers to not ask the same questions. What does that really mean? This is my first legal job ever. Okay. To me, that means don't go straight to the attorney with questions. Um, I think when you get into a firm and you're working, you realize there are multiple steps that you can do to ask for help before you go to your assigning attorney or whoever is sort of like your supervisor in that setting. And I mean, maybe it depends on the environment, but I feel like typically they do a decent job of letting you know that there are other resources, like there are legal assistants. I don't know if you'll be assigned one. Um, Me personally, I was assigned one. So I had a legal assistant I could talk to, paralegals you can talk to, people who are maybe managing that project that you can talk to that aren't necessarily the person that you're turning in your final product to. Um, And I would go to them first. But I think a lot of people who come in with no experience or just like know how it works, it can be daunting to ask those questions. But I would say it's better to ask the like sillier questions right away so you know them for like the rest of the summer and ask them to people who aren't the person you're turning the project into unless you have like a very specific question that only they can answer. Yeah, I think this could also be interpreted more on like the networking side of things because something you hear constantly from attorneys is that when they are talking to students, they get asked the same questions over and over and over again. Like, what was your pathway to this job? What did you do in law school to help you get this job? And they hate them because they're bad questions to ask. Like they're not actually that helpful because no one's path is the path. And also they've answered them likely hundreds of times (laughs) in the past, Um, which is why I like, whenever anyone on TikTok makes a networking video and they include these kinds of questions, I like lose my mind. Um, Just (laughs) try not to fall into like the stereotypical questions you would find when you Google like how to network with attorneys. Yeah. I think um, something that people overhype about networking is like, you really have to be like prepared like you really have to be like job focused or like business or whatever firm focus that is in my experience when i've had interviews when i've had networking opportunities that weren't specifically firm led like that's not what you end up talking about and Mm -hmm. i think people underestimate the fact that attorneys and people who are hiring they want to get to know you as a person they want to make sure you're normal (laughs) they want to make sure you can carry a conversation Um, I think you get into the legal field and realize like how important small talk is and like just have a couple subjects like that you're interested in that you think maybe they're interested in. I feel like I always end up talking about like food with attorneys, restaurants. Um, I never ask about people's like families or significant others unless they bring them up and then I'll kind of like ask about it because I really like to know who people are either like married to or whatever. Like I really like to know what their job is like, oh, you're an attorney 
like what kind of person are you married to? I think that's super interesting, but I don't lead with those questions. I let them bring those things up. Um, but I think it's a lot more about getting to know the person more than like their law school legal field path than you would think. Yeah, I say this all of the time. And I understand that like, people hate this advice. But really, like, if you can learn the bare minimum about a sport, (laughs) it really, really benefits you. Um, Especially as like, a woman in a male dominated field. And I know, like, there's a lot of discussion about like, women shouldn't be expected to keep up with men's interests just to succeed in their field. Yes, true. If you have any interest in sports, highly recommend it. Um, It's always how I like typically establish just the small talk building relationships with attorneys, whether they are men or women. Um, Yes, 100%. Something else I talked about a lot was travel um, because I did study abroad. So I had like a really big opportunity to travel a lot. So that came up in conversation quite often because my study abroad was on my resume. So when I would go and talk to people that had seen my resume, it came up pretty often. Um, so just like things like that, honestly, I talked about food and restaurants a lot because part of our like summer associate, like job was to network during lunches. So we would go to and try different restaurants all the time. So that was like a really easy thing to talk about. Like, Oh, have you ever been to this restaurant? Oh my God, no. What do they have there? Blah, blah, blah. And like, you can talk about food forever. So that often ended up being like a connector connecting moment. And you can also just find things with specific attorneys. There was one attorney I talked to. Um, a lot about just like nonfiction books that he liked it was so funny like once a week he'd come into my office with like a physical copy of the New York Times because he still read the physical copy of the New York Times and he'd be like here's an article I think you'd like (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much Um, my next question is how do you balance law school work and actually having joy in your life Not well. (laughs) The balance is uh, difficult. I would not call it a balance at all. It depends on a lot of different things. Compared to 1L, I have a much better balance now. Because during 1L, I was at my desk for usually minimum 10 hours a day because I was taking Zoom classes And I wasn't seeing friends because of the pandemic and I wasn't going to the gym because of the pandemic. And really it'd be like, sometimes we'd have these social zoom calls and that was really it. Um, That was terrible. That was not a good time for me personally. Now I kind of make the time to go to the gym when I need to. Um, I've done fun things throughout 2L and 3L, but like, I wouldn't say I've mastered it at all. Um, I think for me personally, it's just like accepting not being at peak productivity is something that's important to me because at the end of the day, like I'm a 3L missing reading for one day when my grades no longer really matter is fine if that means I can go to the gym because that keeps me mentally healthy. Yeah, I think it depends on the day, the week, the month, the season. It depends on a lot of things. 
Um, yeah. I think one L I put like so much focus on honestly getting like acclimated to a new environment because I didn't move early. So I had like <laughs> a weekend to figure everything out and like get my books and like get used to having to do school things all the time, especially because orientation is so early. And I mean, in my experience, law school started earlier than most of the schools around. So there was like a really big adjustment period, I would say. And like moving was a big adjustment. And so I really focused on like school and becoming adjusted to school and the environment of school with like my peers and making friends and doing all that kind of stuff. So a few things like fell by the wayside, I would say when I like I completely stopped working out like almost full stop. I would go like very randomly, but I had a Planet Fitness membership and its primary location was back on my undergrad since I had stayed there an extra year during my gap year. And I was a big gym girly like my junior, senior gap year. Like I was big in the gym except for during like COVID complete lockdown time. And I moved here and I didn't change the primary gym. And so I was just like wasting my money every single month, like not going to the gym. And I could not bring myself to cancel a stupid membership. And I called them and like, obviously gyms make it so freaking hard. And like, you have to send a letter or da da da, whatever. And I finally figured out in the summer, which meant I was just like hemorrhaging money all school year long. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> then I was like, finally going back and it was like, fine and whatever. But then I sprained my foot, but now I'm getting back into it. But I think I spent like so much time on school and socializing, like, not realizing that in a weird way I have always done my best when I'm very busy or have like a lot of commitments and I always think that I'm gonna have a better balance by taking on less and then it ends up doing the opposite and I just become like very unmotivated um and like very unmotivated intrinsically like only outside things will like motivate me which is not good and like not how I normally am so I think this year I was like okay you need to figure your stuff out do all this other stuff and honestly I think taking a step back from all the socializing that I was doing 1L has helped a lot um, and even grade-wise has helped a lot and I think just realizing that you don't have to do everything all the time you don't have to say yes to everything all the time which is something that I thought about and talked about 1L but didn't really like put into practice I think I'm doing a lot better with that now but I think one of the hardest things is you get into law school and some people like myself start processing their whole life like I feel like I was always so go 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 all the time and then I got to law school and I was like all of my life up until now is like crashing down on me. So that's like really affected like my mood. I think I've been like more down this year, but I feel like I've grown a lot more because I've done other things than just like school, 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 school. So right. it's every day. It's every day, bro. You're figuring it out day by day. <laughs> yeah. It's the balance can be, it's just impacted by so many different things. Like, right before we started recording this, I was telling Soph that this is just like a ridiculous time for me because the New York bar application is about to open. Um, so like once that happens and I'm studying for the New York law exam, I'm about to take it. It's just like a lot. It's a lot, bro. And you know what? I'm not socializing as much as I should be. 
that's why not. Yep. And also just like realizing that you can make friends and hang out with new people, but I think you often get more recharged with people that you're already close to. And like that quality time is really important. And I know that's really important for me. Cause like, I mean, over spring break, I went and saw some of my best friends from undergrad and like, it was so different. Like it just made me feel so different from like being where I am and like hanging out with my law school friends. And that's not a knock on my law school friends. It's just very different. And then like, even being with you guys, like in Boston, like, I don't know, I think spring break just like gave me my personality back. Cause I was in the dumps for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel the same way it feels like I am exerting energy whenever I'm around people from law school, even if they're my friends. And even if it's supposed to be like a casual event, um, it's, and maybe it's just like being in law school and they remind me of being in law school, but it's rarely like a comforting. Yeah. It's hard for it to be like completely separate from school and like, I really realized that I needed to be completely separate from school. Especially when like, I'll see people around school and I'm trying to talk to them. I'm like, I owe you an email. <laughs> it's just a reminder of things that I need to do. Ugh. All right. The next question, a loaded question in my opinion, is oh. if we think that we're going to miss law school after we graduate. Hmm. I, I think I'll miss probably like the comfort, the predictability. It's the same way. Like you have nostalgia for high school or nostalgia for undergrad in the way, like it's predictable. You see the same people, you more so know what to expect because you spent such a long time in it. Um, I think for me personally, because I have work experience where I was like not in school at all. Um, I know I like working. Personally, I like, I prefer the structure of working and having like a very set schedule, pretty set expectations, um, predictable expectations, and also just like the exposure to consistent coworkers, consistent supervisors. I just prefer that kind of life. I think law school is unpredictable that way because you're taking different professors all the time. You have different classmates, you're working with different people. And I think those are really good learning experiences. But me as a person, I need the predictability. I need the schedule. I just thrive a lot better in that kind of environment. So I I don't think I'll miss it that much, but only in like a nostalgic, like, remember last school, the intensity times, because it's like a trauma bond. <laughs> it's definitely a trauma bond. It definitely is. For me, the answer to this question changes like weekly. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I like can't decide how I feel about graduating um which I think is pretty normal um when we got back from spring break some of the three L's were talking and we were like wow I just have zero motivation to be here right now like none I thought it was bad before spring break but it's a lot worse after <laughs> Um, but sometimes I do find myself getting like nostalgic and thinking like, I'll miss this place, but it's nothing like, uh, it's nothing like what I felt in high school. 
um, because I have suffered a lot. Well, maybe I haven't suffered more in law school than in high school. Suffered in a different way. <laughs> in a very different way. In a very different way. Um, but yeah, I think I'll miss some aspects of it. I'll definitely miss the learning. I think that's like uh, the thing I hate. I say like, I'll never go back to school. But the reality is like, I just, unfortunately, I really do like school. I do like learning. I think that law school has a lot of issues, but the academic side of it is not anything I take issue with. Yeah, I agree. I I also love learning. And I mean, I don't necessarily want to like be that person that's like in school forever, but I'm like not against that kind of life. Like I'm not against that kind of thing. And I mean, maybe it's because like growing up, during times when my mom didn't have a job, she would like take community college classes and like learn random things, I don't know. And so I saw her like going back to school in a way. And I just, I thought that was normal. Like you can pick up any interest when you wanna pick up an interest. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to necessarily go back and like get a PhD to pursue academia. (laughs) Academia uh is like all of the problems in law school times a hundred not something I'm super interested in um very scary how supervisors can sabotage you during a PhD that's a whole other thing I've seen too many TikToks Mm -hmm. of people in PhD programs it's so scary um but I do genuinely like I mean I I always say this, but like law students have their like genuine interests in the law and you can always tell when someone is like just the person who loves learning and the learning type because they're always going off on their own little research projects for like nothing, like nothing is motivating them. They're not getting anything out of this. They're just spending, you know, one night until four o'clock in the morning researching some niche ass (laughs) topic. That happens to me every time I talk to this one specific attorney at my externship. And we were talking about like the differences between state housing laws. And I was like, maybe I should do like 50 state survey on this. Like for (laughs) nothing. Nobody wants me to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. My next question is how to deal with click groups that talk badly about you. I I don't care. I, I think it just it's de- it depends on why they're talking badly about you, right? I think that like if they're saying things about you that genuinely could impact your career in the future because your peers' opinions of you does, right? Like we've we've talked about that before. Maybe that's something to be concerned about, but like if someone at school is like, oh, she posts cringy TikToks, which is like the only real negative thing as people say about me, like I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. What I always say is unless someone is like attacking my character or I genuinely did something bad to them that maybe I didn't realize or said something that like came off the wrong way or whatever I'm like those things 
I would like to know. But otherwise, I don't really care. Like, everybody is going to have a problem with somebody. It's okay if that random person or that random group that I'm the person that they happen to have a random problem with. If they just don't like me, they just don't like me. That's okay. There are people that I just don't like. That's how life works. So I always say, like, if they're not genuinely saying something that is, like, a character thing or, like, I genuinely did something bad or hurtful to somebody, who cares? Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And, mm -hmm. like, being alive, people are going to talk shit about you no matter what. That's how life goes. And us being on the internet might make it worse. Oh, might yeah. give people more material to talk shit about just because we talk online and talk about our lives and law school online I'm like that's fine because I feel like if anything we're existing to help people who come after us and that's really what I care about so yeah. oh well I mean as long as you can walk away thinking that you made a positive impact on the school I think like why care about any of this like petty nonsense um yeah. and if like someone's feelings get hurt because I say that I don't like prosecutors I personally think that person just needs thicker skin yeah also like you're gonna do what you want to do you shouldn't always you know factor my opinion in especially if it's people who don't know you have never spoken to you that's when I always find it the weirdest because I'm somebody like I think everybody has the right to talk shit about whoever they want to talk shit about everybody has that right but I think when it comes to like petty things, there's no reason for that to get back to the person that you're talking shit about. There's no re reason for you to say those things in front of somebody that they're friends with. And that friend is going to be like, listen, I was in this environment. This person said that about you. You like be mad. Don't like somebody. You don't need to say that around their friends or do something to make sure that person hears it. You not liking them is none of their business. So like in this situation, this person asking like them not liking you is none of your business like as long as you didn't do anything as long as you weren't mean or harmful or something who cares about their opinion right it just does not matter yeah that's the end of that don't care it's the advice do not care <laughs> okay i got another advice type question asking um when in the semester you should start preparing for finals? Um, I guess it would depend on like your learning style. I personally like to prepare like a month out from the individual finals, depending on what my schedule is. Um, in general, I think it's preferable to be reviewing the whole semester, but that's not always what happens. Um, but I like to make sure that I'm like truly outlining and reviewing at least a month before. So that way, if any last minute questions come up, I can ask them from the professor right away because you don't want to be that person that's asking about week two of material in week 13. Like that's really hard <laughs> to come back from if you don't understand like the building blocks of the course. Yeah. Um, I would say it depends on what you mean by like preparing. I think that I start outlining depending on what my final schedule looks like. Um, so fall semester of 1L, I think I had like four exams in six or seven days. 
So just not a whole lot of time to be preparing during final season itself. So I started probably a month out outlining and preparing things and getting together study groups. Um, As far as like past exams, your professor probably won't supply them until in my experience, like two weeks before the semester ends. Um, if you're lucky, (laughs) a lot of the time it's later than that. A lot of the time it's like last day of class. Um, and I think like, there's a reason for that. You should know all the material before you start taking practice exams. So if anything, I'd focus on outlining and reading the short and happy and understanding these like broad topics before you start doing the examples and explanations or past exams from your professor. My next question is, what is your ultimate goal when you graduate? If outside factors weren't a thing, what would you want to do with your degree? I mean, I think speaking of your ultimate goal in terms of a career is kind of antithetical to me. Um, Like my ultimate goal in life has nothing to do with my career. And I think that if you were to ask me that during 1L, I'd have a very different answer for you. But having gone through law school, I think I've like come to the realization that I based my value way too much on my productivity and the image of myself that's created through certain career paths and certain academic paths. Um, So I'm trying to distance myself from any of those goals around my career. Um, I think my biggest goal right now is to just feel like fulfilled in different aspects of my life. Um, So a career that can allow me to be challenged, but also give me comforts in life and to fulfill my desire to do anti-carceral pro bono work. Um, That's going to be my goal right now. But the reality is like, there's no ultimate goal. They're going to continue changing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think in general, I just want something that's going to be sustainable and always interesting. And I think because of my interest areas, it's very possible. And I think because of like, I just don't have a fear of like starting over and I don't have a fear of changing paths and I don't have a fear of like doing beginner things. And that's something that I didn't really hear or see attorneys talking about until I went to a panel in the summer and there was an attorney who is an in-house attorney she's doing super super well now she's an alum from my school and she talked about how she was like supremely average in law school like average honestly sometimes below average and that took like a lot of opportunities away from her because those doors were just like not open to her but she always knew that she was not super interested in firm life. She was more interested in business and honestly being in-house like from the jump. And she talked a lot about how during school she would take opportunities that weren't necessarily like always meant for law students or always meant for like the level that she was at, but because she knew that she didn't want to do firm life, she didn't want to do X, Y, Z. 
and she like had this goal, she would just take these opportunities that maybe weren't like the most prestigious or like the easiest path to like get where she wanted to go. But they were opportunities where she could prove like how hard of a worker she was and how committed she was to like doing what she wanted. And she ended up doing exactly what she wanted. It took her a little bit longer and she, you know, had maybe like a more roundabout path. But honestly, like her part of the panel, like really stuck with me. And I think I feel very similarly just because I'm not afraid of changing things or changing my mind or doing something, leaving, going back. And I just want something that's sustainable, pays enough money for me to live and travel and like do what I want, live where I want. Um, and also just like be able to do like civil pro bono stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like I want to be able to go to any pro bono clinic and be able to answer any of the issues, the questions that come in. Um, that's super, super important to me. So, yeah. Yeah. I just think like, uh, there are people who will be like, my ultimate goal is to be a partner at a law firm. And it's like, ah, I don't even know what partner track entails. Like truly, truly in law school, you're not really taught any of those things. And I've been so lucky, so, so lucky to have a mentor who does teach me those things and teaches me like the inner workings of firm stuff. Um, but the reality is like, as even as a 3L, even as someone who's about to graduate, who has a job lined up after graduation, you simply do not know enough about anything to be setting goals like that. Yeah. Also, sometimes you don't even know, like, what you consider to be, like, the highest achievement for yourself. Um, and, like, sometimes people don't always want those things, and that doesn't make them unmotivated, and it doesn't mean they don't care. It just means, like, like maybe they know something about themselves, and that's the best decision for them. Like, I don't know. And it always changes. And I th I just think, like, the outward perception of like what a successful career looks like is super limiting, especially when it comes to the legal field, just because you don't realize coming in how many things truly are legal jobs, how many things truly are positions for attorneys. Like you just don't know. And you could end up somewhere like completely different or some completely different path, but it ends up being like exactly what you wanted and you get to the highest point that you want, or that's just how it works out. But you just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. It's time to accept that you just don't know. <laughs> it's also, I think, like so many law students are so type A and have set so many goals for themselves throughout their entire lives that um, I'm very happy with finally accepting and being able to not have an end goal. I agree. I think like the most at like peace with myself even in undergrad when I still wanted to be a doctor even when I was like oh wait I'm gonna be a lawyer I think like those titles are a great end goal and they're much more broad than than people think or maybe are aware of and honestly that's kind of like a comfort to me because I can truly do whatever I can end up doing whatever I have certain interests I have certain passions and I'm going to figure out how to combine them. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. And I feel like the options are limitless and like letting go of that 
this is the exact way I want to do things. This is the year I want to do things by. I just realized like that's not good goal setting for me. That's not what works for me. And it's like a very peaceful decision. Like when you get to that point and you're like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I yeah. don't really care. <laughs> I will say I have not perfected that. But <laughs> I'm working towards it. And I, I, I haven't actually set any goals for myself. So I'm very happy with that. I think it's very scary. It's very scary to get out of like the uber traditional mindset and it kind of makes you feel like a little weirdo. Like, yeah. like I'm, not, I'm not hippy dippy, but like, this is a little bit, you know, okay. The next question I have is, did you do any internships over the summers in undergrad? <laughs> no, um, because I was working a real job um, because I had to pay for school. I, it was so shocking to me when I got to law school and found out that everyone else had been doing internships. Um, to me, especially because of where I went to school, I went to school in Delaware. What internship opportunities are there? Unless you're in like accounting, there aren't really any, um, there also weren't really RA positions open to undergrads in criminology either. Uh, we have one of like uh, one of the best grad programs in criminology. So we have a ton of like really, really, really great grad students doing criminology and they were great TAs and everything, but they, they were the research assistants, undergrads. <laughs> assistants. Um, so there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to do these things that are kind of seen as traditional at a lot of other schools at UNC. Undergrads have internships. <laughs> it's not the case in Delaware. I, I've had jobs here and there in the service realm, but I did like one internship, if you call it that. Um, my junior year of college, my parents were evicted from their home. Um, <laughs> so your face, um, I don't, really, shit. <laughs> I don't really talk about this. So my parents, um, always rented because, uh, they filed bankruptcy when I was younger. So they never had a good enough credit score to really get a home, buy a home. Um, so in the middle of my fall semester, junior year, um, they came home to their like rented house one day and there was eviction notice on it. And we had been, they had been paying rent to the owners for months while the owners weren't paying the mortgage. And we were basically like given a certain amount of time to get out. They couldn't really get any other housing. So I was effectively homeless for like five months. Um, and I had my dorm at college to stay in during the semester but UD has like an eight to nine week winter break. Um, and I didn't have anywhere to live. Um, so I came down to North Carolina and my boyfriend's family took me in for that time. And uh, his dad is a lawyer and he very kindly asked if I would help him out with some stuff at the office, um, which to this day, I think was just his excuse to kind of like, pay me because I was homeless <laughs> oh my 
my god oh my god um I did not do any type of internship uh in anything I pretty much got to undergrad and started working my second semester because my parents really wanted me to take the first semester off from working um because I worked as soon as I turned 16 basically like officially but I've been working since I was 15 um so when I got to college I took the first semester off started working second semester and then I went home that summer and that was the only summer I spent like at my parents house and I basically went back to my old job because I used to do um elementary school tutoring after school so they basically had me on as like a summer school teacher um so I did that and then did that for like part of the summer and then the other part of the summer I actually like went well not like back home back home but I went to my grandparents um and kind of like a long trip so then I wasn't in the U.S. for a while and then my the rest of my summers I was either working at the daycare that I started working at my second semester of freshman year. I worked there all of undergrad and I worked there in the summers when I wasn't nannying. And then during the school year, I worked at the daycare during the week. And then I worked at an orchard on the weekends, both Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, there were no summers where I was doing like fun things. I worked every single summer of undergrad. And then after I graduated, I was teaching, so. I needed that summer and then I started teaching again in the fall for my gap year. So no internships for me. <laughs> All right. The next question is, what is dating like in law school? Loaded question again. Um, for me, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you have a husband. Um, I've been with my partner for seven years now um he's not a law student so those are benefits uh we live together so he, he helps me with a lot of stuff um it sucks that we can't like spend as much time together as we would like to but um generally would recommend find someone your freshman year of college and then get into a long-term relationship with them and also make sure that they're like incredibly, incredibly supportive and obsessed with you. Um, so that when you go to law school, they'll do all the stuff you don't want to do. Recommend that. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair analysis. Um, we need to do like a longer episode on this because I feel like I have a lot to talk about. Um, for me personally, I had a pretty serious boyfriend before law school. And I broke up with him like two months before law school. And then um, we like didn't talk for a bit. And then we did start talking again. We hung out one more time. And uh, he was like, <laughs> literally the last time I saw him, he was like, this is the last time we're going to see each other, right? Like, I just, I just have a feeling. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, he was from another state. And then he went to school in another state. So he was like, a lot farther away and when I moved for law school I moved farther away from him and closer to my parents so we would have been like seven or eight hours apart which wasn't like a huge issue but I just didn't really like him anymore and I was like you know what I'm not gonna drag you along for this journey 
Um, so yeah, but then I went into law school, like sort of babysitting him still through the breakup, which uh, took a lot of mental and emotional energy. And I eventually just had to like cut it off. So that's how I began law school, babysitting my ex-boyfriend, um, oh. <laughs> which was a big learning experience for me, not a super great time. And I also felt just like horrible about it. Like I knew it was the right thing. I know it's the right thing, but I just felt really bad. And then once I got to law school, I was kind of just like, I'm going to be chill because I spent a lot of time in undergrad dating, like a lot of time in undergrad dating. Mm -hmm. And then um, I didn't, I did not take a break. And (laughs) I started seeing somebody like in October, I want to say, like in October. And then saw them the whole, my whole one all year until the end and I was like do you want to continue in the summer what's the vibe and he was like yeah no I don't think so and I was like okay no worries it was very chill and then the summer I did nothing so the summer I was truly just working um in a way I was kind of like setting somebody up (laughs) for when school got back um (laughs) they just were not here they were somewhere else during the summer so we did not see each other at all in the summer but I was very much plotting um not gonna lie about that I am a plotter I mean really is it worth it if you're not pining for a few months before you actually get together that's like you need the lead up me personally I need the lead up I need the game. Even though the game could be one in one day, it's going to take four months. I'm making it take four months. Yeah, I'm going to drag this shit out. <laughs> so that's what happened because I'm annoying and I like, I said a little hee hee ha ha thing like right when they'd gotten home. And I was here, obviously. And then the whole summer there was a, you know, some hee hee ha's because I was sitting it up. Initially they were like, yeah, no, I don't think that's like a good idea. Da 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 obviously um maybe in the end it wasn't a good idea but (laughs) (laughs) and then school started and we were hee hee ha ha and then yeah it like turned into dating with a lowercase d and then that's like the breakup that I had at when was that the beginning of February yeah the beginning of February that's that breakup which fucking sucked not fun Yeah, I was, like, truly going through it. Like, I've, like, not cried like that about somebody in, like, a while. Like, a while. And I set myself up with that, okay? This was the my first time dating a friend, okay? That's the part that I would be careful about. Dating your friends? (laughs) Be careful. Um, Otherwise, people, like, a lot of people date, truly. Like, there are a crap ton of couples at my school that are law student, law student. But also a lot of people come in in serious relationships, so. Yep. When you move or, like, you're in a new environment, it's super intense, and it's honestly just convenient to be looking at other law students. And I think that's what a lot of people fall into because it's a lot harder to meet people outside of the school when you're spending, like, 10 hours there a day, so. Mm. I think hashtag accidental celibacy club. Accidental (laughs) celibacy. Definitely not on purpose. (laughs) that's what I would say about that (laughs) okay next question is 
besties, how was meeting IRL? Did you cry? We did not cry. We didn't cry. No. Kind of shocking to me. I cry at a lot of shit. <laughs> Honestly, we were like pretty chill about it. Like I had to walk from one terminal to the other and then I got there and we like hugged and then Lake was like immediately there and we were like, let's go. <laughs> right. See, the, the thing was, I was too focused on it being cold as shit outside for the entire first 24 hours. <laughs> the wind was being Brian's ass. <laughs> it was. Um, okay, next question is how to handle the competitive atmosphere in law school. My strategy for the competitive atmosphere in law school is always to surround myself with people who don't buy into it. My 1L year, there was a study group that was open to anyone. And there was a study group that was very exclusive. Um, To this day, I am not really friends with anyone who was in the exclusive study group because that would not be good for me and my brain. So I think like a lot of people who are cognizant of the competitive culture and, you know, they're trying to do their best, but we're also like trying to help each other out. Uh, that's where I really like to to be personally. Me personally, I think I'm the friend that's not competitive. So I think my friend's are around me because I'm not a competitive person. Um, I haven't always been that way, but I think I feel very fortunate that during my like senior year, when I had my like identity crisis and I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Da da da. And just like figuring out what my career path would be, especially because once I was done with school, I didn't necessarily like know for sure that I wanted to go to law school. And like, that's my work. That's why I was a teacher. Um, and I think I'm grateful for that gap year because it allowed me to like see myself as a whole person again and not just focus on school. So then when I got to law school, I felt like very whole and like very stable. And I just knew that I was there to learn and like vibe and do the best that I could do whatever that ended up being and like learning how to do the best that I could do in law school so I think because that's always been my priority and just like really investing in the things that I'm interested in being my priority it wasn't hard to not buy into the competitiveness I think it's very natural to be disappointed by things or be excited by traditionally good things whatever but I don't let it affect me for more than like the feeling it gives me I guess and I think that's like the best skill that I've learned is like to embrace that feeling of like disappointment or surprise or whatever happiness and then keep going because you can't change those things once your grades are set once the job is what you accept like that's it like that's all you can do that's what it is so keep it pushing all throughout law school you just gotta keep going (laughs) Uh, And I think just like, sounds stupid, but like openly talk about the kind of culture that you like, because like-minded people will find each other in law school. Okay. The next question is what exactly is big law and did you guys enjoy it? So the definition of big law is going to be different depending on who you ask it. 
according to like employment statistics, the definition that they use is a firm that has at least 100 attorneys. That is not, in my opinion, how it is used colloquially in the legal field. It kind of refers to the biggest law firms who handle corporate clients um, and have high revenues kind of signified by the Vault 100 and the Amlaw 200 and those kind of rankings. I don't really have anything to add to that besides the fact that um, through TikTok, I, I learned what big law was. And then additionally through TikTok, I learned what regional big law was, which is what I did. Well, we did have more than 100 attorneys. We, I think, have double that across all of the offices. Um, we don't report our numbers, so we're not ranked at all in the firm, the firm stuff. Um, and it's regional. So it's like mostly in the same few states. And then like there's like a satellite office, I think, in another state, like or like a different region of the, the US, like it's not in the Midwest. Um, but yeah, so regional is just like more local, um, serves more local businesses, not necessarily just local businesses, but it leans more that direction. Similar clientele, just on a smaller scale, I'd say. Yeah. As far as liking it, I think you hear a lot from people in big law that it's just more interesting you handle a lot of like really, really complex cases because these are the people who are able to afford taking on complex cases. Um, so you're genuinely, you genuinely get to work on really interesting cases, whether that is pro bono or not pro bono. Um, the pro bono cases I worked on were fascinating. Incredible. I loved them. Um, but even like the corporate cases I worked on, I could go on for days about like the interesting little niche issues. I really liked it. There are downsides to it. A lot of people talk about the downsides to it. Obviously the schedule, not great. Work-life balance, not great, but can be better depending on the firm. Um, I think my firm tends to have a lower billable hour rate than some other firms and also generally a more flexible work-life balance. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time. I love the attorneys that I got to work with and got to meet. I really liked the projects that I did and I also did a variety of pro bono and then like actual in-firm projects. Um, we also got to do some in-house work for one of the firm's clients for a week, which I loved that week, like loved that week. Um, but I think it's just because I do have an interest in business and our like touch point person or touchstone person, whatever that phrase is, was their IP attorney. And I really like soft IP stuff. Like I like copyrights and trademarks, business related things. Um, so I really enjoyed that week. Everything that we did, I thought was like super fun, super interesting. Um, I just think that it's like not the lifestyle I saw myself living because when I got into law school and even after 1L, 
I still saw myself doing something more like public interest focused and I still see myself doing that kind of work. Um, but because I want to do tax, I do see myself doing something firm related, firm adjacent, accounting firm, IRS, whatever, something in there. Um, and that's not necessarily the life that you would get right away in big law. I think big law to me is more so something I would do after I had more experience doing other things. I don't think it's somewhere that I would want to take my first steps at, I guess, now that I've done it. Interesting. I think that it is somewhere I'd want to take my first steps at because the training you get in the first few years of your associateship is just so, it's just kind of, there's nothing that compares to it other than maybe some federal government work. So I think, especially when you're a 3L and you're graduating and you realize kind of like, oh, like, I don't really know anything about being a lawyer. Um <laughs> being able to go to a firm that's going to like teach you everything is pretty comforting to be honest. Um, a lot of the time in public interest and a lot of the time in public defense, you are like completely thrown into the middle of anything with no training and no help. And um, <laughs> I can't say that was always my favorite part of it. Yeah, that's fair. I I think the the mentorship that you receive in, in larger firm experiences is crazy. Like it's so good. It's so good there are so many people who can help you. And I think sometimes in in smaller envi environments or less funded environments, it can be hard for like a supervisor or somebody above you to be able to take the time to help you in the way that you need help. Yeah. Whereas somewhere where there's more attorneys, it's it's a lot more accessible and a lot more manageable across like a few people. So. I would say, definitely say that's a big bonus to it. When I got in the... Um, okay, next question is, do you ever feel like your classmates affect your learning experience? If so, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest one is like, sometimes you will have classmates that don't know how to shut up um, and professors don't know how to tell them to shut up. And it just eats a lot of class time with them throwing out these like ridiculous hypotheticals and no one's actually learning. And that was like a big problem my 1L year, particularly in my civil procedure class. I had that class at 8.45 in the morning and I swear I could zone out for like 80% of it because it was just irrelevant to the actual stuff we were learning. Um, but there's a way to like talk to professors about like, Hey, I'm not really getting what I need to get out of class because we're spending so much time on these things. And I would recommend doing that. If you think that's genuinely a problem. I also think that sometimes it can affect your ability to learn when you're in an environment where someone is just being incredibly antagonistic. Um, and I know that has happened in several classes at UNC. Thankfully, it hasn't happened in any that I have been like a huge part of. Um, but I, I think to a level, you can talk about it with your professors. But honestly, there's not so much that they can do. It's just kind of a part of law school to have to hear people with shitty opinions 
exert them loudly because they love themselves and love hearing them talk. Yeah, I think um, it largely affects like in-class experiences in yeah. my um, I think it's hard because there are people who are going to distract and are going to distract the professor in a very unproductive tangent or just generally sometimes there are just people who ask questions like every single class and for some people it's because their learning style is to ask questions for some people I I don't know you can't always tell the genuineness of them asking questions and that can be the frustrating part because if you're asking because something isn't clicking that's very different from asking something that's completely irrelevant um and it can also depend on the style of the professor because um i've had the same uh tax professor for my first tax class and my corporate tax class and he's taught exactly the same in both of the classes. He is extremely focused on us learning the topic. He will take the time if people have questions to stop, answer them completely, check in, make sure like, hey, do you get this? Whatever. Um, he'll slow down lecture if a lot of people have questions. Like he's genuinely a very caring and very effective professor, in my opinion. And in our first tax class, there was somebody who just constantly interrupted like constantly, like almost every single class, this person had something to say that was not always productive or was like a, like a check-in question. Like, do I get this? I'm not sure. Here's this random hypo that isn't super related, but like might be. And it was so frustrating for me and like genuinely would like make me very angry. And they sat on the other side of the room. And every time I heard their voice, I would like turn my head. And because I wear masks at school and I have my mask on in class, it's literally just my eyes. And people (laughs) outside of the room would start like looking for me to turn around because they knew I was going to look over there (laughs) and like make a face because it was so frustrating to me. And I think one of the skills that is important to learn in school in general and especially in law school is like knowing when to ask something as a clarifying question in class and knowing when to ask something after class if you need like specific extra assistance because we only have like a certain amount of time to get with the professor that's guaranteed Mm -hmm. and that was what was really frustrating for me um but it hasn't been like that in my corporate tax class, which I appreciate. And it feels like a lot more collaborative because of that. There's not as much like animosity in the room sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, I think it really depends on how your professor handles it. Because my my one all crim professor will like very much shut shit down if it's not going the way that they wanted it to go. Like, no, that's no. <laughs> like move along or just like explain it and be like yeah that's it that's all we're going to talk about on this subject um and that's frustrating for some people but it was effective for me because then I didn't start spiraling or going down a rabbit hole about something that was not relevant right I think I think that you can always talk to professors and you can always choose to take classes with professors that have a teaching style that aids your way of learning Mm -hmm. 100% the next question I have is what is the fees slash pay structure for estate planning lawyers what about family law lawyers the fee structure is going to depend completely on 
the job that you have? And that's not really a question that we can answer. Yeah. Um, The one thing I will say is there are estate planning attorneys at every level. Um, But I personally have never heard of a family law attorney working in big law, but there are estate planning attorneys in big law. They kind of go hand in hand, honestly. Um, It depends on what you think like family law entails because for a lot of people, family law entails estate planning. Um, And I think most people, at least at the small firm solo practitioner level, if they're doing one, they're doing both. Big law does have estate planning and it's super messy and drama filled. (laughs) I recommend talking to anyone who has worked with these incredibly fucking wealthy families in estate planning. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, Yeah, I honestly think the answer to that is probably going to be you asking people in your area who do those things, networking with them. And also Googling it for your area because it's probably going to depend and it's probably going to depend on the firm since these are two things that can also be boutique firms. These are two things that can also be incorporated in mid-sized firms that do an array of things. There are a lot of um, tax business estate planning firms. There's a lot of places that do like those things and other things. So these can be like mixed in and how much you get paid is going to depend on where you work. You can be you can be a divorce attorney in rural North Carolina, or you could be in that celebrity of divorce boutique firm in Los Angeles, and you're going to get paid very differently. Yes. Okay. The next question is: Would you ever consider an unpaid summer internship over stressing about finding a paid summer internship at a law firm or elsewhere if you feel like your options are dwindling and time is running out? So I did an unpaid summer internship and it was not because I couldn't find a paid one. It was because I wanted to do it. I think that you should be choosing your summer internships based on what is going to help you learn and help you decide what you want to do post-graduation. Focusing solely on if you're going to get paid is probably not going to be the best for you in the long run. And I know that sounds so scary because you want to get paid. Um, But I think the reality is that like a lot, a lot of law students, their 1L summer, do not get paid. Mm -hmm. Um, Or don't do anything that is legal work specifically. Yeah. So I think you have a lot of options. I know some people did part-time work that was unpaid and then they did paid research positions at the school. I know people who did public interest work that got a summer grant and that grant should be more at my school, but it's something. Um, You can also choose to do an externship over summer. So do your internship for credit, which allows you to get loans over the summer. So there are a lot of options. Um, but I would make sure that what you're doing is not just based solely on being paid because some paid work is a lot less valuable than unpaid work. Yeah. I would agree with everything you said. And my school also does. Um, so we have like a public interest, like space where people who are doing something in public interest or something that's unpaid can apply, um, 
for like a grant. It's 4,800 um, at my school. And with that, you have to like reach a certain amount of hours. And then you also have to volunteer a certain amount of hours during the following school year. Um, but pretty much everybody who applies to that gets it because our like funding pool is really good. And the way that the org fundraises is, is really good. So I think last year, last summer, there were 25 people who got fully funded for the summer. And then they also get a travel stipend if they're traveling. And then we also do the internships in the summer for credit, which you can do those. But I think um, based on credits, you would also have to take a summer class. So you would have to do the internship and a summer class to get financial aid just because oh. of the, the credit amount at my school. Um, but yeah, I agree that you should do something because you want to do it. You're interested in it. You want that experience, not just because it's going to give you money because you could work a, like a, a non-legal job that's maybe in something you're interested in that is paid that could help you out more than just taking something that's paid in the legal field. Because I think sometimes we get too caught up in just doing legal jobs um, especially like your one all summer, you don't have to only look at legal jobs and it's okay to get more diverse experience because maybe that random work experience you have that summer leads you to something more specific in the law that you're interested in. And you just would never know unless you've decided to do something technically non-legal. Um, but yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the last question I got is, do employers look down on online law school? Online law school? I genuinely have never even heard of online law school programs. Me neither. My first reaction was, how could they, since so much school had to be put online because of COVID? Um, I think it would be kind of unfair if they did do that, just because that's like the reality of the world that we're living in. I think that um, I, obviously this is something I have not researched ahead of time or anything. My inclination would be that if they were looking down on the school that you attended, it'd probably be because it lacks accreditation or is low ranked, has you know a low bar passage rate or something like that. Not for the fact that it is online. Yeah. Um, because I do think that would be incredibly hypocritical. I spent nearly half of law school online. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes lawyers are hypocritical. Um, I, I think that's something that you are better suited to ask an attorney in a hiring position than us. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. No idea. Uh, okay. That's all the questions that I had. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the in-laws. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the in-laws pod. We post these full length episodes every Wednesday morning at 7am Eastern standard time. So make sure to follow and rate the podcast or whichever streaming service you're listening on. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.